So if you caught mine and Alex's live stream the other day on Instagram. You fucking uh, pissheads. We, no, Are you I trying was to not, lose us all of our followers? I wasn't even drunk. I can't drink some on antidepressants. Thank you very that's much. A, that's Mom. a lie. That's um, a lie. Okay. Like three tequila shots to me isn't drunk. Oh my God. Come on. You fucking liability. It was and fun cyber. though. But it was so fun. You couldn't get us cancelled. No. Didn't I didn't get bad. us cancelled. We actually got did everyone. You or did you? Did you or did you not message Craig from Downbeat Podcast? That was because me. Because you thought he was Craig David. No, no, so Yasmin, no. no, we were talking did, about Craig David. Did you? And Yasmin, and Yasmin was like, oh my God, like, you know, Straight From The Path. I love yeah, Craig David. Yeah, because she just said and I was Craig, like, so I was like, oh, you mean Craig from Straight From The Path? And she went, no, Craig David. And then for a second, my brain was like, that's the same person. I, I did went, no. message Craig Reynolds from Straight from the Path and um, he's aware abilities. and it's all over Fucking Twitter Courtney Col- Col- the Plants got involved from Spirit Did shit off for fuck's sake what are you yeah. doing you're going to kill though. our podcast yeah, but not it's only funny. that we also got a petition going to get Pitbull on the podcast so if Pitbull you would like on to the see pod. Pitbull on the podcast put hashtag Pitbull on the pod if enough of us harass him oh Jesus you guys he has to respond oh god Dali. no Dali. Dali. <laughs> one two three four Welcome to On Wednesdays We Wear Black with me, Sophie Kay, Alex Holcomb and Yasmin Suman. Big intro. That was really good. That was really big intro. I gave you a WWE intro then. You just went. Hey. hey. Hey, what's up? Ooh, yeah. Sorry, would you like me to scream down the microphone? I will give it to you, though. You were the only person to say my name right, so thanks for that. What? what uh, Suman. Yeah. Cause oh, yeah, because I got on TikTok called you Yasmin Summon. Yasmin Summon. Yasmin Summon. So stop. this week on the podcast, we are talking about race, but not any race discussion. This is about being mixed. Hey. Woo. Woo. So we are all, um, we all have a little science cyan in there. We're all a little mixed science. up. A little bit spicy. A little bit spicy, spicy. We're like and the Powerpuff Girls, you know, uh, sugar, spice, and everything nice. These were the ingredients to make two perfect little girls and one perfect little MB. But no. then Professor Utonium put in <laughs> Chemical X, which was the emo. Anyway, go on. Go on. Get alive. So, yeah. um, so basically... This week, we want to discuss what it means to be mixed. Now, I know... Do you know what I get a feeling of? And I might be completely wrong here. I get the feeling a lot of people will have seen, say, the gender episode and thought, right, that's something I really need to learn about. I really need to understand that. But I get the feeling a lot of people will skip this episode because people don't think it's important it's not as hot a topic right now to learn Mm. about the experiences of mixed people and that's just my feeling i don't know what you guys think Uh, alex is nodding (laughs) alex is vigorously Um, nodding i'm like oh yeah i agree preach it baby yeah Yeah. no i i totally agree it's not something that you really see people discussing Mm -mm. i mean like we discuss it because we're mixed but outside of that I don't really see any conversation around it. I think it's because there's so many biases from all different sides. Like I've had biases from 
the half South Asian side and then the half white side and it's almost like neither of them want anything to do with me because they see me as this abnormality this creation of sin um so they just like yeah I don't feel like I can talk about it and I don't think people will care because maybe they don't relate which is stupid because you should care Mm. Mm. yeah I feel like a lot of the time I I always get asked to talk about race in mainly American circles because I feel like mixed is a lot more pushed as a term in British circles mm. whereas in America I would just be black um, oh. whereas because you'd just be a black woman wouldn't you whereas That's in the UK really I've never thought about that wow no. we yeah. use the word mixed more um, and I feel like that's because a lot of Americans don't know that where their lineage came from because of slavery and all of those things and records being destroyed and so you can be light skinned and still black and not know your lineage see that's interesting because i found because of the geographical like population in america there's more i don't know if the term is latinx people um and also a lot of east asians in america and there's a lot of east asians in the uk as well but there's Mm. a lot of south asians in the uk and i found that americans don't understand what it means to be south asian because their automatic response to asian is east asian so they don't they actually don't know what i am people ask me all the time what like what are you are you like are you? are you like mexican or something and i'm like no i'm actually <laughs> you won't believe <laughs> yeah. what i am and they they think that india is a continent so um it's really fun thanks americans shout out to my americans <laughs> and i think if we're going to discuss race as society and if you listening to this care about race no matter what color you are by the way you might be sitting there thinking i know everything about race already There is always more to learn and in understanding the nuance and dealing with our our inherent or inherited actually biases, that's how we find solutions. I went through um, a phase uh, a few, about a year before, before Black Lives Matter and George Floyd, I went through what I called a race recovery program Mm, and it was all about rediscovering my identity um and and because I don't, I don't know how it was for you guys but because I had quite a difficult upbringing um and there wasn't much love or support on my black side of my family um and all the love was on the white side of my family and you can't help but in your head associate love then with race and trust with race it's inevitable from the way a child's brain works um and so I had inherited biases, which had been put on me from my family's biases. And so mm. I had to go through a recovery program to understand myself, my heritage, my blackness, because I can, I could, I could, you know, I can deny it all day long. Not that I did deny it, but you can deny it all day long. When you step out into that world, you are still fucking black and there is nothing you can mm. do about it. Black mixed. Um, there's nothing you can do about it. So, so yeah. I think we need to sign up to that, Alex, because... Uh, fuck me. Yeah, that sounds good. Have you got the number? Be great. <laughs> sign us the fuck up. <laughs> no, because it's important, I think, to... And I had to look at myself and my biases, my thoughts. What do I think when... Um, and I think it's, it's very, very vital for everybody to go through this kind of... Because I was raised by... Um, my mum was Ugandan and I know for Africans there was always this kind of thing of um, you've got to be as close to white as possible 
you've got yeah. to speak well. and there was this like the in especially in london there was west indian black and african black and there was like a rivalry and the africans always thought they were a little bit um like there was a culture of being oh no well, we're not we're not quite like the west indians or whatever it might be and there was that inter racism essentially i don't mm. inherited racism yeah. it's not it's not racism because yeah. you can't pr- bring the systemic uh with it but it's inherited mm. racism yeah. do you know does that make sense yeah no it makes sense there's like a kind of rivalry in uh, the south asian community between like pakistanis and indians and bangladeshis and uh, fucking like there's so much rivalry not only with like territory and where you're from but also like how light your skin is and it's more desirable to be Mm. a lighter skinned asian with less hair and like oh you're married to a rich white man oh my god that's amazing and i don't want to aspire to whiteness anymore no even though i am half white it's almost feels like because i had the same experience a lot of like my i have a very complicated relationship with the my dad's side of the family because my dad is the brown the brown one um but I always aspired to whiteness and I felt like that's where I fit in and that was where I was accepted that it almost made me like neglect my brownness for so long that it's only recently where I've like embraced it and been like yeah I'm gonna wear a bindi in public what the fuck are you gonna do about it okay bitch and as well celebrate that brownness because it's there every day in the mirror yeah when you look in the mirror it's it's there and I I don't want anyone listening to this who is South Asian or who is black to get angry at us because this is part of i feel the mixed race experience mm-hmm. is some people have parents who are so good at dealing with it that they just are born with their identity but a lot of us for a lot of us yeah there is confusion and you've got to find your identity right yeah, yeah. i remember just being really young and just being so angry because there was more white but then I had like features, like my hair was like, I had, used to have like tight, tight curl, like hair that was mm. just so, so tight, so tight to deal with that I remember I was on at my mum so much because I hated it to get it chemically straightened when I was 11, 12 and I did it. And now I'm thinking now, I'm like that kind of mindset at that age, because I didn't look like anyone that I went to school with. And I didn't understand because I thought, oh, yeah, I, I am white, though, even though, you know, I am mixed race. I identified, I think, at school as white. But then I was hating on myself because the features that I had, you know, weren't weren't all white. Mm. And I think that was quite confusing for me to deal with. I think as well, I'm sure we'll talk about this um, in like further on, but like growing up in such a white area was really confusing for me Mm. because I'd be in these white spaces with people who weren't overtly racist, but were like subconsciously racist. And they would say or do things that like, I I couldn't place it. I couldn't place why it was wrong, but it was wrong. Like the yeah. um, the white girls who would tell me about my hair and how to do, how to condition my hair and how to treat my hair and the way I was doing it was wrong. And yeah. it's like, well, you don't know fucking shit about my hair. Yeah. And as an adult, I recognise that. But when I was younger, I didn't understand it and it didn't make sense to me. And people yeah. wouldn't let me like people wouldn't come over to my house because my dad was there and I didn't get it until I got older and I was like, right, they're all fucking racist. <laughs> mm, it's so hard and it's like. I remember um, when I was growing up, I, because I went to school in Yorkshire, which is for anyone who doesn't know, it's like a real villagey, loads of fields, loads of cows and things. Um, And it was very, very white. And so when I went to um, university in Manchester, 
I remember I called myself half cast to another mixed girl and I remember her face and she went oh, you can't say that and I was like why but I'm, I am I'm half cast and she went that's not an okay I never want to hear you say that again it's not an okay thing to say and so it took some meeting somebody who was from London yeah. um and from the big city to teach me not to, I used to describe myself as half cast I, I did as I well had, and I didn't know it was wrong until I, I met with yeah, the mixed people I didn't know <laughs> And then, and then I was, I had friends who, um, I had black friends who called me the coconut. That was my name, the coconut. Dairy um, milk was mine. Which I was is, the caramel. Well, hey. I was called Bounty as well. Yeah, Bounty, <laughs> which means, yeah. basically it means you're brown on the outside, white on the inside. And that messes mm-hmm. with your, and then, so I made three friends at uni who were all mixed. Um, and I remember one of them, we all had quite long hair. And one of them went to the hairdresser because she used to get her hair relaxed, which is like chemical straightening. Um, and the hairdresser cut her hair into a bob because she said it's all dead. So you can't have this any ha- this hair anymore. And then I remember another friend of ours said to her, shit, you went to the wrong hairdresser. That hairdresser gets jealous if any girl has hair longer than hers. So she cuts <gasps> off all her hair. Because oh, obviously my. chemical straightening... Yeah. kills it a lot um yeah. and so there was always this like and i remember we used to go out in manchester i've had i've had girls threaten to slash my face up with a knife because i thought i was too nice thought i was too nice because guys were checking me out like and and i think something i feel like this conversation today and we're going to be speaking to natalie morris who's just written the most amazing book called mixed other this conversation needs to be had by everybody mixed mm-hmm. people need to understand where they might be going wrong and actually mm-hmm. where they might be finding privilege because we are all privileged oh here. absolutely we yeah. are all privileged and we all uh, but then also black people white people south asian people everybody who doesn't identify as mixed also needs to understand our experience because we're we're not made up of just privilege mm-hmm. we also have a lot of experience as well that is confusing and we have experiences that monoracial people what an experience. I feel like I want to stress that though. Like we're going in with the, the assumption already that we all already know and have established that we're all privileged because of yeah, our race because yeah. we've talked about yeah. it so much. Um, but like I'm assuming for people who are monoracial, they'll be like, oh, these mixed people are talking about how it's hard for them. Oh, and try being this. And it's like, okay, but I'm still struggling. It's a different experience, I yeah. guess. So this is about to solve racism. We all need to speak and we all need to have a voice. And so today we are going to be hearing from voices of mixed people who we don't hear from as much a lot of the time. We're going to be speaking to Natalie Morris who wrote this book, Mixed Other. I've, I've listened to it on audiobook. It's amazing mm. because I've seen books about like why I'm no longer talking to uh, white people about race. I've seen books like that, but I've never seen, and um, maybe that's just me, but I haven't seen on the shelves in the bookshop books about being mixed. And so this chat, Mm. I'm super excited to have. Mm. And for anyone who doesn't know, the way I met Natalie, you may have seen me sharing an article that I did with her for the Metro. There's a link to it on my Instagram. Um, It's called Mixed Up. And it was about my experience of being mixed race. And everyone's is different. Um, but, uh, But it was about... I find it really. I don't like the term mixed race. I don't know why. I can't. Ex- I can't. Yeah, explain why. it sounds a bit mixed. Like it's got that kind of connotation of oh, you're all mixed up. Like it just doesn't yeah. seem. I like biracial. Yeah. That's kind of like, you know, you, you're two. But then what if you're not biracial? Because I'm like, what if you're multiracial? Like yeah, yeah. Because Alex. Oh fuck! So I don't know. Confusing. 
So I um, use I, for this for this podcast. I'm just gonna be using the word mixed. <sighs> I may say mixed heritage, but I'm just gonna say mixed. I we can't like, win, can we? <laughs> it's weird. Like I think she did say in her book, like about the term mixed race, and that the when she was talking to people, like the general consensus was that it was mixed but then that might be wrong i remember she touched on that in the book it might be yeah. wrong in say 20 years time hmm. whereas you know half cast or whatever words they used you know 30 30 years ago was kind of okay at that time more acceptable yeah um but yeah it is she was right when it you know it, it all changes but at the moment apparently what she found was most people use the term mixed Mm. which i thought was interesting and what i want you to know as well listening to this we are not the we're not the knowledge of all we're not claiming to be the knowledge of all all we can do is speak from our experiences and something that um you'll probably hear me say that i feel quite strongly about probably because of the way i've been treated by both sides of my family if i'm completely honest i could tell you stories that will ugh, make you feel sick but because i so because i've been the way i've been treated by both sides i personally end up saying things like both sides need to learn everybody needs to learn about this everybody can grow within racism it's not about people standing and just pointing at white people and going you need to learn we all can grow and so if you have any issues with anything we've said trust us it's not to cause offense no one's fighting harder um for all different racism within music within alternative music than we are right here on this podcast but if you Mm -hmm. have any issues just dm us send us a message because this is an ongoing conversation and we do not claim to be the knowledge of all would you guys agree with that yeah 100 yep okay so let's hear from natalie Natalie, it's so good to have you here on the podcast. Welcome to On Wednesdays We Wear Black. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Well, it's exciting because I I don't know if there's um, even we even disagree on bands. We disagree on everything. Um, But the one thing that does unite us is we all have mixed heritage in a sense. We all have different bits that we can um, relate to. So getting you on is something quite interesting for us. So tell us, because you, some people might not know about your history and what you do mm-hmm. in your career. So tell us what it is that you do. Yeah, so I'm a journalist and a writer um, and I've, I've worked on lots of different kind of media platforms over the years. I've done broadcast, ITV News, um, but over the last three years, I've been a senior lifestyle writer at metro.co.uk. Um, which has been great fun and lifestyle is obviously a very broad kind of term so I get to write about kind of all sorts of stuff Um, and as part of that I kind of focus on race and racism and social injustice and that's kind of my um, like main focus when when I'm like pitching my own work which is amazing that I get to do that and I get loads of autonomy which is which is fantastic Um, and yeah and one of the first things I did in this role was to start a series um, which was called Mixed Up, which was um, a column 
basically interviewing people with mixed heritage and it would be a different person every week and I would make sure to choose people with all different kinds of backgrounds and different kinds of mixes different ages from different parts of the country and just kind of hear their stories in their own words really and, and get to know their experiences of identity and belonging and not you know not just the the negative sides but the positive and the the celebratory things as well and and through that I kind of started to piece together these kind of recurring threads that were kind of threaded through um, the mixed experience, which wasn't necessarily something I was expecting to find. Um, but it was really nice as, as a mixed woman myself to, to kind of hear those really, really deeply relatable stories and themes just popping up again and again when I spoke to different people. So that's basically what started me off on this journey and made me think, okay, I need to I want to dig deeper into this and and collect something, um, you know, bigger, more experiences all in one place because I found it really valuable. And your book is out now. It's called Mixed Other. Um, and I was listening to it as an audio book read by yourself, which was nice. <laughs> one of the things that um, interests me because I know as a mixed person, often I felt quite alone because it's mm. it's something that's rarely talked about being mixed is that you people talk about being black and people talk about racism or being south asian or whatever it might be but it's rare that people talk about being mixed why did you feel that was something that needed to be spoken about well like you say because there isn't there isn't much out there um and there is that sense of isolation that that can come with being mixed and this isn't this isn't something that's across the board and and you know i'm always really careful when i talk about this stuff to make it clear that it's you know, such a such a heterogeneous experience. Like there are so many different experiences within mixedness, and I can only speak really on my own experiences, which is why it was so important to me in the book and in my columns and in all of the writing that I do that I speak to other people and I present as broad a picture as possible of what those different experiences can look like. Um, but for me, and for a lot of the people I spoke to in the book and before. Isolation was one of those recurring themes that, that did keep coming up. Um, and that kind of sense of feeling you don't necessarily have a natural go-to tribe within even your own family setup. And that can be quite a, a discordant experience, um, particularly growing up, particularly in those formative years. Um, and particularly as a person who is being racialized and experiencing um, racism and discrimination and microaggressions and all of that stuff to not have anybody within your immediate circle who has a direct um, and like completely identical experience of what that is like um, can be quite difficult because obviously like so my dad um, was black Jamaican my mum's white British so when I experienced racism as a child or as a teenager my go-to I go and tell my parents but neither one of my parents' experiences is the same as mine. My dad experienced much more overt, hostile, aggressive, violent racism as a, as a darker-skinned Black man, but also the fact that he grew up in the 70s, so there's that time thing as well. And my mom is white, and as much as she wants to help me and was incredibly supportive and open and, you know, cr pr provided an incredibly, um, you know, supportive space for me growing up and for my sister... She can't know what it is to live as a person of color. So you're kind of in this space where you don't have 
that in that that inbuilt toolkit within your family. So if you are a black family or an Asian family, for example, and you experience racism, you go to your parents and they'll say to you, okay, this is what we do. This is why this is a horrible experience, but this is what we do. This is what I did when I was a kid, when I, when I was called those same words. My dad didn't know exactly what it was like for me when I was called a mongrel, for example. That's a very specific instance of racism that's very specific to being mixed. So I think that's where that isolation comes from. And that, yeah, that was that was basically a big part of why I wanted to, to bring those stories together. I think with the column, when I started writing that, the feedback I got was so interesting to me. It was always people emailing me, sending me DMs, sending me messages, saying that they were so grateful to feel seen and to feel as though they hadn't realized that other people felt the same way or had those experiences. So I just wanted to, to bring those stories to the fore and kind of provide a bit of an antidote to some of that isolation. That was basically my main goal um, when writing this. So, yeah. I think it was really powerful because I was part of that series and um, I really enjoyed it. It actually started to help me question my race. And I think I was going through it at the time um, that I decided to start calling myself a black woman. And mm. I know we, we have discussions about gender and how people identify, but we rarely have those about race. And I don't know about you, Yasmin and Alex, but is it it's hard, isn't it, to find a place to identify? Yeah, it's one of those things where you don't want to... I kind of feel like I'm stepping on people's toes whenever I call myself a brown person because it's like, well, mm. I'm brown, but I'm also, like, half white. Um, and then, but at the same time, like... My racial identity, I don't look like a white person. No one's going to ID me on the street and be like, wait, are you, what percentage of brown are you? Um, which makes me feel really anxious. It's You don't want to overstep, because I understand my privilege, but I also don't want to overstep my place. But then at the same time, it is my place. And it's this, this constant battle. Yeah, it, yeah, because it's like, I don't want to take away from someone that's darker than me, because, you know, I will have more privilege than them. But at the same time, it's like, wait, I still experience that, racism on some level as well so it's so confusing like as a kid I found it really confusing because I always used to get what are you what where do you come from yeah. and I'm like yeah. home, where like, are you like, really what? from where, where are you from actually from and I'm like oh you know like my granddad's black and like this is my family and they're like well you're not white and you're not black and I'm like well okay cool and I used to go home to my mum and my dad's and like they again like you say they just didn't really know what to say and it was just really confusing mm-hmm. And I think mm. that's why the chapter um, terminology is so important because, as I say, we've we've heard people um, talk about. So, for example, um, gender. How do you identify? We're talking about putting pronouns on our bios, but I have never, in all of my years that I pretend to be younger than I actually am on this planet, <laughs> um, I have never heard anyone talk about race identity where was that is is that something that you just thought okay we need to talk about this or did you have a process in discovering that oh well yeah it's it this these are not new ideas these are um you know there's people who've been studying kind of mixedness and mixed identity it's a very niche kind of academic space but there is a there is a body of work and that kind of informed my writing process and my research process. And I was, you know, when you read the book, you'll see there's, there's so many references to 
the academics and people who have been studying this and, and um, you know, carrying out these huge surveys and, and huge uh, scientific studies about the experiences of mixedness. And that was very much the basis of, of the research for the book. And, and, and from that, but, but from a personal perspective, I think it was the, the beginning. I, I do talk about the terminology and the language and the words that we use to describe race because, you know, I'm a writer and words are my forte. And that was, I want, and I also think it's something that we have to be so careful about. I think there's a tendency to think that words are something superficial, that it doesn't really matter, that it's throwaway, but language is is so important and have deep connotations and deep meanings, particularly when we're talking about racialized language and, and the words we we refer to ourselves as, the people, the words other people refer to us as. Um, that you know has has big intergenerational ramifications. Sometimes it, it impacts on how you feel about yourself, how your how you feel about your family and your ancestors. So I do think it's it's really important to to make careful decisions about the words you're using to describe yourself, the labels you're giving yourself, and and it's a shame that we do have to do that because in the you know. It, it would be better if we didn't have to have so much importance on on the labels we give ourselves. But sadly, we still live in a world where the the kind of the the racial category that we're assigned by society is has a huge impact on our lives and how we see ourselves, how safe we are, how successful we can be in this world, how long we're going to live, even. So to say that race or these labels aren't important um, is is just I think just hugely naive, and I think. We can't ignore it or take a colorblind approach or say that, oh, it doesn't matter, um, because it absolutely does. And on a personal level, just to feel as though you have those connections, if you don't have the words, if you don't have a label, that's always got to be the starting point for feeling as though you belong somewhere, feeling as though you have other people within those categories. And I think that's why it can get tricky for when you when you have mixed heritage, because none of the existing labels fit properly for you. Um, so I think one of the most interesting things about doing uh, doing the book and the process of speaking to all these people has been hearing the language that they use and, and trying to find a kind of sense of collective identity. Um, and that that belonging has been so powerful and, and you see it and it kind of transcends, transcends age, it transcends the different kinds of heritages that people have. And there is just this kind of nod of recognition of like, allegiance almost just within the the sphere of being mixed and i and i think that's that's a really powerful thing particularly when you haven't grown up with those natural racial connections um but yeah i think what you what you guys were saying as well about about privilege was was a really interesting and tricky part um of that whole process and I, so i identify as a as a black mixed woman um and i always add that qualifier of mixed because I, as much as I want to kind of acknowledge my blackness, I think you have to also, well, I have to also acknowledge that my experience isn't the same as a darker skinned black woman. And I think that by adding that qualifier is kind of a nod to that. I don't know what you guys think about, about that or how, or how you guys identify. No, I, I definitely, I found that your pieces gave me strength in discovering that and mm. and feeling strong calling myself um and using the word black mm. in in how i described myself because it was something i didn't feel like i could do before but yeah. one of the things that 
that actually came up from that and I wanted to ask you how you navigate this is and this is this is a side that I guess I feel like on both sides people kind of have a a look of they have an understand they think they have an understanding of what your experience is so I think black people have an understanding of what they would expect my experience to be and white people have an understanding of what they expect my experience to be in the same way that I could be judgmental and look at someone like Alex and go well I know what your experience is because it's easier than mine and that kind of brushes that under it it brushes what you experience under the rug which is out of order and one of the things that I found particularly difficult was during the Black Lives Matter movement Mm. uh, with George Floyd I noticed you were writing a lot of articles um, and that empowered me in a sense because I feel like black mixed people are often left out of race conversations yeah same mm. with south and asians I, I don't like know if... mixed south asians as well it's literally ridiculous how many times i've um sorry to put in but like the amount of times i've spoken on kind of issues to do with like racial tension in the south asian community and people have said to me but you're mixed so mm. what would you know and it's like well i'm still my dad is still a south asian man i can't take that away from him so what do we and do <laughs> One of the things I ended up saying to somebody once was, oh, I understand that I'm not as dark and so I have a totally different experience. But if you put me on a spectrum of like the racism I experienced, I'm not over there with the white people, you know? No. (laughs) I'm I'm like, okay, I've got a bit of privilege. So I'm a bit further up the spectrum than where you would be. But Mm. I'm over there with what your experience, I'm getting called these names. And when you look at the people who are getting arrested by the police, they don't go, oh, well, they're slightly lighter skinned. So they're, Mm. they're fine. Like it's that that brutality is still getting experienced by mixed people as well. So how, and I don't know if this is something I've experienced in these conversations. Mm. Is that something that you've experienced out there as, as well in the, in the world? And this isn't by everybody. I'm not, I don't want to generalize. Yeah. Or in terms of feeling like you don't get to have a voice in those conversations. And people questioning, mean? people questioning your voice yeah. and whether you should be speaking on it. Yeah, no, definitely. I get that. Um, I get a lot of backlash when I write about race, when I write about racism, particularly in the summer um, with Black Lives Matter. A lot of those articles did really, really big traffic because everyone was searching for reading lists and sharing articles and all of that, which was, you know, great for the exposure and for people reading these ideas. I was, you know, I was happy about that. But, the, you know, the, the flip side of that is I get you get a lot of hate and I got a lot of a lot of hate mail, email, and a lot of DMs, a lot of Did angry, you? angry people. Yeah, loads. Um, death threats, like ridiculous. I ridiculous get death threats stuff. too. It's so fun, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's, oh yeah, a joy, an absolute joy. What a great part of, of being a, a female journalist. And I'm assuming um, it's from both races as well. That was what I was going to ask, yeah. No, 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 it's it's all white people. This is, this oh, is all, all white people, right. This is all white people. So all of the, all of the racism and hostility and, um, anger that I experienced when writing about race. I, I wouldn't say all, but pretty much the, the the vast, vast, vast majority is from white people. Um, on a, like personally, I've experienced very, very, very little racism. Um, well, not no zero racism from anyone who isn't white, um, and very little kind of pushback or hostility um, as well. Because I I do think, and I think this is something that. It's often asked a lot, like, is it the same both sides? And, and I, I think it's impossible for it to be the same because I think there's a natural allegiance um, in being non-white because of how racial hierarchies are set up. Because 
no matter where you fall on that sliding scale, the fact that there is a sliding scale is the problem. The, the whiteness is always going to be at the top of that. Um, mm. And I think whiteness is a very, like, it's a very exclusive concept. So as, as much as we, I, I can't speak for all of us, but for, for most mixed people, they would say that they are, you know, more accepted into their minority heritage. For example, Sophie and, and myself would say we are black um, as well as mixed, and we wouldn't necessarily get called out too much by doing that. I think there would be some pushback, but it's much more allowed. We could never call ourselves white. Um, it wouldn't be allowed. Mm. So I think that whiteness is exclusive and non-whiteness is much more inclusive in, in my experience. Um, but I think, but what you're saying about the, those, those conversations about race and, and where, where we fit and where we can have a voice, I think that's, that's a really important um, point and really interesting. Something I didn't really think about it at the time because it just felt, it felt right to do it. It didn't, I never questioned whether or not I had um, the authority to, to speak on these issues. And I think if you feel that, then that's, you know, that's your answer really. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the time it can come from an internal sense of uncertainty about, about where you fit and about where you can have space and, and, and what that privilege that you have or potentially have means to you. Um, so yeah, so for me, I never, I never questioned it. Um, I did get backlash mostly from white people, but then I did get some DMs from people um, talking about why do you think you can talk about racism? Um, and that was to do with being mixed, but also to do with the fact that I have a white boyfriend. So they found me on Instagram. <laughs> and were like, look at your boyfriend. Who do you think you are? You don't get to talk about racism because yeah. you have a white boyfriend. And I was like, that's the most ludicrous argument I've ever heard. I feel like we're the same person because everything you just said, <laughs> I resonate with so much. I um, I did a few pieces for Refinery29 about uh, what it's like to be alternative and a person of color because mm. like the alternative community is very, um, it's a very white dominated space. Yeah. And when I wrote that article, the amount of white people who sent me death threats was ridiculous ridiculous but there was a few um non-white people who also messaged and said well you've got a white boyfriend and you're half white so you Mm -hmm. can't speak on this and it was like but i i'm not like you don't look at me and think that's a white person that's that's Mm -hmm. not how it works and you're very right in the fact Mm -hmm. that white is an exclusive thing and everyone else is kind of the other Mm. in a way you see what's what's interesting what's interesting is i had the opposite so when we did the article um I had a lot of white people who were really open and I had some older mm. black people who got in touch and were, especially people from Uganda um, who really wanted to speak to me about my experience in Uganda. And, mm. and, but then it was reposted on Afropunk website and I'm not even kidding. There must have been about 300 um, black people because the, the headline was saying um, if white people listen to hip hop, why can't black people listen to rock? Mm. And basically what my point was is why do people call me a traitor for being into rock or people Mm. say, how can you be into, I get questioned whether I actually genuinely like rock all the time. Um, And there was, must've been about 300 comments calling me uh, an N word bitch. This N word bitch doesn't know what she's talking about. Doesn't she know that sister Rosetta, we invented rock and all, all this kind of aggression Mm. and hatred came towards me. And I was like, 
Oh, for fuck's sake. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, come on. I'm on your side. Um, and I think for anyone listening to this, I think it's good for people to know that it. I, I especially feel with being, my experience with being mixed is that I'm not always, I am more accepted in black spaces, but I'm not, I don't always feel fully embraced. Yeah. I feel like people are like, you know, like someone's got their, they're just ready to come at me. Mm. Just mm. in case, just in case I'm a traitor, you know, because there's this notion of, of, of traitors. That's interesting. And I think, I, I do think that there can be generally uh, and across the board, I think this is true of um, of all all races, all ethnicities, that there is this kind of historic suspicion of mixedness. And I think that that is, it, it's similar to, it comes back to that categories thing. And, and whenever you find somebody who doesn't, into a pre-existing category, um, whether that's to do with with gender or sexuality or or race, you people are inherently suspicious of it, um, and they're and they're they're annoyed that they can't place you and they don't like it and they're like there's something deviant, there's something wrong with with what you're about, and I think that's that can be what that is about where where they're looking for something they're looking they're expecting you to to be um, not on their side. Um, and I think that that's historic, and that's 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 something that's happened for for generations, ever since there have mm. been mixed people for you know centuries. And you know, not too long ago, uh, in the like thirties and and the twenties, thirties, and forties, there were calls to have mixed people sterilized. Um, we were positioned as you know mentally inferior, physically inferior, dangerous, like we should be avoided, pitiable. Um, and it's it's very strange to think how how recent that history is. Um, and you've got to think, you know, there are people who are our grandparents' age who who, was, who lived in that time. Um, so you've got to think there are going to be hangovers um, from these, like, the way that we were pathologized in, in you know, in the 21st century. So it, it, it doesn't surprise me that there are still these kind of underlying inherent suspicions and negative ideas about just being mixed, which is just, you know, horribly... Um, reductive and, and just racist really but it, it definitely still exists I think yeah see I get a lot not relatable I don't know about you guys like especially when I like put myself forward for jobs and whatever they're like well mm. you don't really fit into a bracket so you're not really relatable and I'm like well where do I, where do I fit then because you don't know yeah. now I don't I don't know that like, it's a thing I struggled with for ages I don't know where I fit so it's just like I feel like especially when you're trying to get jobs that are in front of people and you have to have people like you I find that's when being mixed really makes me feel like strange about myself I feel like I have an identity crisis half the time Mm. because I feel like sometimes I'm like okay so you know I look more white than I do black and it's like well okay do I try and be more white and I'm like well actually I don't want to leave that other side of me so I don't know about you guys, but I've just found it, yeah, like I'm having an identity crisis. Is this the best way to describe how how I find being mixed at the moment? It's almost like you can't be one or the other. Like sometimes people say that, oh, I'm I'm too brown or I'm too white. Like I'm too brown Mm -hmm. to be in this space, but I'm too white to be in this space. I'm too brown for this article, but I'm too white for this article. And it doesn't make sense because I'm literally both. Like genetically, I am both. (laughs) So I don't know what you want me to do, but... I am both, so it's mm. it's almost like you can never be 
when when one side rejects you, you're like, cool, I'll go to the other side. And then the other side is like, no, yeah. we don't want you either. So you're like, cool. I'll just hang around here that? until someone just, you know, knows what I am because I don't be anymore. I'll in the corner crying. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things I really enjoyed with the book was... Um, Sometimes, do you ever, you know, when you get to read something and you're, you're like, you, you know that you have all these thought threads, but someone's managed to take it and put it all together really in an easy to understand way. And you're like, yes, yes, read this line here. This is what I'm trying to say. And I think one of the things that really came across in the book is how this this isn't a black and white issue. Racism mm. isn't a black and white issue. It's not something, and by that I don't mean black and white as in skin color, I mean just it's one or the other. It's something that yeah. all of us need to learn about. And the reason mm -hmm. I, I do talk about um, the issues that I faced from both sides and all races um, is because I think it's important that we all check ourselves. So whether you're listening to yeah. this and you're black, you're white, you're Asian, like wherever you're from, you need to have that conversation with yourself about how you're seeing others and treating others, even if it's people that you think have it better than you. Let's actually listen to their experiences and hear from them because it it isn't as simple as just going, well, you're privileged, so let's just let nah, we're not listening to what you go through because it's it's nuanced. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the the privilege thing is 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 basically that is the element that makes the conversation about mixedness so difficult to have yes. and so often so defensive and just hard on all sides and I think mixed people can be really guilty of getting very defensive and being like well mm -hmm. you know my privilege doesn't mean I don't have a hard time it's like yeah okay but we've also like that is so important to acknowledge that privilege too and I think yeah but it's just it's just interesting to see how many conversations about mixedness get totally bogged down and derailed by this by this this thing about privilege and about who is more privileged who has a harder time where i really think we as a society as a culture have the scope we have the ability to talk about multiple experiences and and how they are without without um you know without it being a competition or you know yeah. looking at what's what's harder and i think what the key thing that i found was that this this ability to have that duality that was the most important thing that I've learned throughout through doing this book and through talking to these people was that it's possible to have privilege and it's also possible at the same time to experience racism and those two things are true neither negates yep. the other and that's that can that can happen simultaneously and often does and often that is the crux of being mixed and that's where all this turmoil and this uncertainty and the suspicion from other people can come from. You're so right. And I think what's really interesting for me when we think about privilege, you mentioned competition. It's very telling that whenever we have this discourse between the mixed community and, you know, non-mixed uh, people, it's always comparing us to white people. It's always, well, you're white, like you, you're half white, like you're closer to whiteness. And it's almost like yeah. whiteness is what ever, like that's, we're putting that on top. And it's such a weird structure. I don't think people realize yeah how like weirdly structured this is and how how deeply ingrained racism is that the the top like aspiration that we're setting is that well you're closer to whiteness so you're better and it's like well that shouldn't be a thing mm -hmm. though that shouldn't be the aspiration really and that's mm -hmm. why we all need to talk because like, i i will hold up my hands i don't know if i would be in the position i'm in and have the jobs i've had if i was darker skinned 
I yeah. don't think mm. I'd be I don't think I'd be sat here and I think that's my privilege that I've been able to walk into a room and be like I'm exotic mm-hmm. um, I'm still aggressive <laughs> don't get me wrong people call me ag- aggressive <laughs> but I'm exotic so it's like oh isn't she sweet but what's um what's what I really enjoyed as well is that you did a whole chapter on relationships and dating because in and if you have ever questioned this I think this is a great book to read whatever race you are and that's what I loved about it 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 wasn't just for mixed people to read there's so Mm. much you can learn um but relationships and dating and I know you said that you've been in a relationship for 10 years with your with your partner so you you haven't had to do the online dating yeah the biggest mistake I made like I so having a thing I didn't I never realized that my race would be my thing so I got tattoos and now I have two things which is two things too many (laughs) you can only have one one thing thing. um and but online dating is something else because what people see they don't before I don't see myself being mixed isn't my identity it's part of who I am and my blackness is part of who I am and my whiteness is part of who I am. But I would say my music is is more to do with my identity as netball might be for you, Natalie. Mm-hmm. And music is probably for us as well. But all people see, oh, brown. Oh, no, I'm not sure about that. Swipe. And you do get a lot. There's this kind of thing about how mixed equals beauty. And maybe I'm just an uggo and just speaking out of line. But... Um, <sighs> I don't think it's as easy as because people just see brown and they go, oh, not sure about that. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it is really difficult out there in the dating world. Did you find a lot out when you were exploring this theme? So much. This is (laughs) what the main thing I found out was that I'm so pleased that I didn't have to do the whole tinder thing and like it's horrific it's horrific yeah i mean honestly the stories i heard i was like oh i dodged a bullet with that because that sounds like a nightmare yep um so yeah this 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 current situation's got to work out for me because i'm not going back into the into the fray absolutely not um but yeah but talking to my sister she's two years younger than me um you know very similar in terms of looks like clearly presenting as, as mixed and the stories she has, like, are just absolutely wild. The, the kind of, the, the the way she's fetishized by men. Yeah. So I think, I think, Sophie, what you're saying is that, that I think there's two two sides to it. So it's either, oh, no, I don't want a brown girl swipe. Yeah. And there's people who will a- actively be like, definitely not. And the moment they see anyone who isn't white, they're just not even going to consider, like, that's obviously gross and highly problematic, but that's that's them in it. Like, they've got their own issues, clearly. Um, but then on the flip side of it, which is equally problematic and almost harder to call out, is this horrible fetishization that happens because, and also the people who are doing it often don't realize that it's problematic or yes. that, it's, yeah. that it's basically like sexual racism. And they, yes. they, they see it as a compliment. They're like, how are you, why are you getting pissed? I'm telling you you're beautiful. I'm telling you you're, you're sexy and exotic, Super exotic. and incredible. Yeah. 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 And, and honestly, the assumptions that my sister was telling me have been made about her, they think, she's going to be like amazing in bed or like really different or interesting or like up for anything and like really dirty or like really easy and just all of this. And, and, you know, it's really messed with, um, with Becky. That's my sister. It's really messed with her kind of her self-esteem and, you know, she'll, she'll go on a date and she'll be like, yeah, this is going well. And then 
the guy would be like, so obviously, obviously we're banging tonight. And she's like, I, when did I, when did I give yeah. that off? Like, that's it. and she's then goes home and she's questioning. She's like, what did I do? What did I, what vibe was I giving off that made that him think that that's what was happening? Because her white friends don't have the same experiences. Obviously, online dating is a nightmare for everyone. Like people of all races get ghosted, get treated horribly. But like the frequency with which these kind of things are happening to Becky in terms of them saying, oh, I've never, I've never slept with a mixed girl. Like, what's that like? Like yeah. literally on, on the date yeah. and, yeah. you know, or being like, and she's like, what do you think I'm going to be excited about? The fact that I get to like pop your ethnic cherry or like, yeah. what is it? Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, it was on my to-do <laughs> list. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's like, oh, she's going to, what? They think I'm going to be like, oh yes, I get to be the first. Amazing. She's like, no. <laughs> Not One, as well, oh. you get fetishized by people who don't realize they're even fetishizing you in a sense mm. that, um, I used to be, because you can't wear a t-shirt that says, I'm extremely liberal. Um, so I would be someone's liberal card. Yeah. I've got a brown girlfriend. That's how liberal I am. I'm not gonna marry her or settle down, but definitely gonna show all my friends just to show that I have a brown girlfriend. Did I tell you my girlfriend's brown? And um, that was a thing, definitely. People... It's such a uniquely different experience though, because I found a lot of mixed people, like, I don't know why, but we attract racists. Like I have unintentionally dated racist people same, who same. can't yes. stomach wow. a fully brown person, but they can stomach me. And it's like, that's not a compliment. But a bit of it, just a little bit. Yeah, just a, just a little bit yeah. of spice in their curry. Yeah. And it's it's so weird because it's like they they like you because you're half white, but they also think you're really interesting and you're this phenomenon. Mm. Like, whoa, you're like mm. not brown. You're not the ugly brown. You're the nice brown, and that's yeah. such a yeah. horrible yeah. thing. Mm. Yeah. This is this is. Do you know what? It's the topic that probably comes up a lot for us is is dating, because we found it so funny. Um, but in the book, uh, <laughs> one of the stats that did come up and, and really um really stuck in my head was that in 2012 15 percent of people said um that they wouldn't be happy with their child or someone in their family dating having a relationship with someone in a different ethnicity um mm. and that that really that really took me back because you start to as a person you start to think about these some of the stats that you gave and you're walking down the street and you think, well, how many people would be offended yeah. by me sitting at their dinner table? Mm-hmm. Um, you'll talk to me and you'll find with me, but would you be offended? And I know it's later on in years, it's nearly 10 years ago, but still, that's still very much there. Those people are alive. I mean, I don't like 2012. I don't know if I'm just like betraying my age now, but that feels like, like it was last week. Like you say 2012 to me. I'm like, I don't think of that as like 10 years ago at no. all. Um, but that, this is this is very recent history we're talking about. Mm. Um, these these people are still people's parents' age. Like they they've not gone away. Um, and that is you know it's really disconcerting. And do you know what was interesting with um, talking to so many mixed people was the way that sometimes when you're mixed you have a level of kind of access to to people's views that you wouldn't necessarily get if you were monoracial, if you were darker skin, if you're more obviously um, non-white. And I think that's something, that was something that I, I, there's a whole chapter in the book about passing and passing as white. And some of the people I spoke to um, talked about this kind of the uncomfortable um, kind of exposure to racism 
where they kind of assimilate accidentally into a space where people think they're white, think they're one of them, and are therefore really candid with their views. And um, we're, you know, we'll just be openly racist and not realize. And the kind of awkward position you're then put in where you have to be like, hi, by the way, I'm yeah. brown. You can't tell, but I am. So please yeah. stop saying that. And it's that, I don't know if Alex, if that's something you've experienced, because I was shocked when it's, I heard people saying yeah, that. Yeah, and like, it's wow. so, just the, so casual. Like, it's just the casual racism. And then as soon as you say something, it's like, oh, 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 I didn't know. And then you watch them be really, really careful around what they say. And they can't do it. And they're just stuttering over their words. And you're like, I'm just going to go now because it's really uncomfortable. Um, mm. But yeah, you're, unless, if I was with my dad, who's white, the amount of racism that I would be around because they don't know because I'm white passing. Yeah. And then as soon, as soon as you say anything, I mean, I, I would probably now say something, but back then when I was a child, I was quite uncomfortable because I didn't, you know, I was a bit like, oh, this is weird. Like, why why are people doing that? But, you know, granddad's yeah. black, so why, why are people saying that? Um, but I didn't really know how to put it into words. It was quite normal. And then it wasn't until probably I was a teenager, late teens, I was a bit like, this is really bad. Like, the amount of yeah. racism in this world is really bad but then if you if I was with my mum who's half black she then we would get we would get treated differently they would be more careful Mm. so it just for me as a kid was just a bit of a head fuck to be quite honest like it was just an absolute head fuck of the way that people don't really care about what they're saying until there's someone else there that they might offend but behind Mm. closed doors it's not a big deal it scares me that yeah. that's happening. You know, when you like to to hear that story, Alex, and to hear some of the stories that that people, other people who are white passing, told me that they just hear just casually, just yeah. like every day, constantly. I'm like, how careful are people being around me? Like, I yeah. never, I never even considered that. Um, I always thought that you know, if people weren't, you know, obviously being racist around you, I would like to assume that they're not necessarily thinking racist thoughts, but maybe they are. Like maybe more people are than we think. And it, it makes me, you know, what a shame that that people, that so many people are having to be that level of careful the moment they they know that somebody um, who's non-white is in their midst. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really disconcerting, I think is the only word. There's a whole TikTok trend on it. People posting about the experiences they've had and there's loads of white passing people uh, on TikTok mm. talking about it. It's, it's just, um, so going forward, Natalie, cause you, and I, I don't want to look to you for the answers um, <laughs> because I think that's one of the hard things when you end up in conversations about race, people go, right, fix society, what do you do? <laughs> and you're like, Jesus right now. Christ, um, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> um, but from your findings and from everything that you did, you do as a journalist and from your, what you wrote about, what do you, what have you taken away and gone, we really need to focus on doing this more? I think it's as simple as conversation and creating space for people with different experiences. I think that's the most helpful thing that we can, that we can actually practically do in this moment um, without, you know, literally tearing down all of the systems and rebuilding from scratch because I think to you know if we're talking about how we're dealing with with racism and inequality that's 
centuries worth of work that needs unpicking and dismantling and, and redoing essentially. And, and, and this, I think the starting point has got to be acknowledgement, understanding and conversation and just creating spaces for different experiences. I think our, over the last year, particularly, we've, we've had some really important and really good discussions about race, but I think we've very much scratched the surface of it. Um, and it's still incredibly binary and limited and um, simplistic, really overly simplistic. And I think what happens is when, when we talk about race in an, in an overly simplistic fashion, all of the nuances and the people like us who exist in slightly different in-between spaces who don't fall under the, the, the pre-existing headings, our experiences get flattened or erased from the conversation altogether. Um, one thing that we haven't mentioned and something that I talk about in the book is talking about the experiences of mixed people who are mixed without white. Yes. And I think it's really important to find a way to talk about race, to talk about mixedness specifically, that doesn't center whiteness. Um, so all of the people I spoke to who are who are mixed without white, so-called minority mixes, um, talked about how they didn't feel as though they had a claim to this, this mixed space because pretty much all mainstream conversations about mm. mixedness are related to whiteness and, and you know what it's like to experience racism within your own family, your proximity to whiteness, your privilege. Um, so I think it's just about decentering whiteness wherever you can when you're talking about race. And um, but but I think on a personal level for me, what I want to continue to do is create that sense of belonging and um, that that recognition where you feel like okay this is a group of people who have a similar experience to me because I think that's what is lacking for mixed people, um, particularly those of us who didn't grow up in diverse areas, who are mm -hmm. in rural areas, who are in small towns, who are in very white majority spaces and are feeling like, oh my God, I am the only one. No one else has ever felt like this. And that's, that's not a fun place to be. So I think if we can keep elevating these stories, that has got to be the best place to start. No, that's very, very powerful. And that that really did uh, come across in the book. And so while Natalie's talking about opening conversation, conversation comes from education. So do check out the book. Um, as I say, I listen to it on audiobook. It's available on Kindle. You can go pick it up in your bookstores, um, on online. Just you know what to do. Go pick up a copy. I think as well, something that this isn't to do with being mixed as much, but something I've been feeling quite passionate about. And I feel like this is a forum now to air it. Um, one of the things that did come up uh, for you in the book, you were speaking about how you were quite excited when Black Lives Matter started, how Black Lives Matter started. And you thought, wow, this is, mm. this, you know, this is a big change. And mm. your dad was kind of like, well, I've seen this before. And I've seen that with a lot of people as well they've been like well we've, we've seen this before it's not really going to change anything um yeah and I know we get a lot of people from different companies listening to this and for me personally I feel like these conversations cannot start when and I don't know how it is in your experience Natalie but in a lot of companies at the moment all the pressure is being put on people who are in their early 20s because they're the most vocal yeah. on social media Hi. yep <laughs> and all Hi. that pressure to hold up the voice of what to do against racism is being put on people who are just starting their lives and just figuring mm. out what life is. And yeah. until we start creating heritage and realizing the importance 
of people who have lived, who have experienced, and we listen to those people in companies who are in their 50s, and we don't just elevate the voices of 19, 20, 21 year olds, even Mm. though they're important and they have a place, they shouldn't be the only voice. And I feel like that is when big changes might start to happen. I don't know how you feel. That's just speaking from a radio television perspective. No, I think that's a really good point. And I think, um, you know, it's something that's, that's, I think has been written about quite a bit, particularly this year, but that I think there's a tendency to kind of have an almost ahistorical approach to, to change and to tackling racism as though, you know, the young, like Gen Z or, or millennials are the first people to ever think about this and to ever try and change things. And, and almost the, like you say, the heritage and, and the lineage and the people who have come before us and have made all these ridiculously important steps to get us to where we are today, which is nowhere near where we need to be, but is better than where we were, that can be erased. And I think that's why you have to you have to do the reading. We talk about, you know, giving these reading lists to, to white people to be like, this is how to not be racist. This is how to not do microaggressions in the workplace. But like, that has to extend to every community. We can't just jump on Twitter and be shouting about our hot takes because we've seen one article or we've watched one item on the news and we think we're experts on it. And I think we are living in an age where, you know, outrage culture is is massive. It's a huge currency and and clicks and clout is, is how we kind of judge authenticity in a certain space. Yeah. Um, and I think as a result, so many of the important voices who have historically got so much to say on this and the generations who aren't on social media, who aren't operating in this kind of click-based marketplace are not being heard. And they have such important contributions to this discussion. Um, it can't just be millennials and, and Gen Z sitting around on, on TikTok and on social media, you know, acting as though they're the first ones to come up with all of these ideas. Um, yeah, you're right. We have to we have to like pay homage to what came before. The only way to look forward is to is to look back and to build on it. It has to be something that is built on, not just torn down and start again every time because otherwise we don't we won't get anywhere if that's the case. No, and I'd like to pay homage right now to, I can't remember her name, so that's really crap, but it was a black, I know, (laughs) it was a black woman who produced Quantum Leap. And I know that's the most random fact, right? And if you've never seen the show Quantum Leap and you listen to this right now, it's a show from even before my time, really. Um, (laughs) But it was a really powerful show, um, where they always talked about openness and anti-racism, anti-homophobia, all of these th- concepts before it was even a thing. And mm. it was a black woman who was never given her her dues. She should be a household name and I couldn't remember her name. So that says it all and that's awful. And <laughs> I'm going to hell. Um, but yes, <laughs> Natalie, it's been amazing speaking to you. And thank you so much for all of the work. I don't know if you get thanked enough for the work you do. I'm sure you do. But like every time I see one of your articles, I, I literally shout at my screen. I'm like, yes, yes, that's so true. Um, and it's, 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 it's very important. And so thank you for all of the work you do. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. And I, no, like I don't think writers do often get thanked, you know, very often. And that's why every every email, every message I've had about the book or from anyone you know, saying saying that they appreciate the stories or they, they, they feel seen. It means 
a huge, huge amount to us. And yeah, so so thank you. Thank you for having me on as well. It's been a brilliant chat with all of you. We've had fun. So to follow you on socials is is Nmos? Yes at nmoz on twitter and insta yes and that's n-m-o-z-z and honestly give natalie a follow because some of the articles you write you definitely want to stay on top of those give the check out the book and do you still have a podcast yourself as well for netball I do have a netball podcast. If anyone listening to this happens to also be a big netball fan, you can listen to at the netball show. Um, We're on Twitter. You can find us there or Spotify, all those places. (laughs) Awesome. Wow, wow, wow. Oh my God. How awesome is Natalie? So good. Amazing. Like I loved that chat because I do feel like it's creating a space within the discussion of racism that just hasn't been talked about enough yeah yeah absolutely it was like the first time that I was like I feel like she made me like understand myself and Mm. I was like oh my god like this is what I think but I didn't know that I thought it and you've just said it and I'm like mind blown Thank you, Natalie, for saving yeah. me the money that was going to be spent on therapy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Like, speaking to Natalie, it's like, wow, you get me. But yeah. you're also, you've got a better attention span than me. So therefore, you're able to eloquently describe what I'm thinking. Yep. Mm. I don't know if anybody else has this. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else has this. But I feel like when I'm in white spaces, people sympathize with me so much. And then in brown spaces, and this is nothing against the Asian spaces that I'm in it almost feels like I feel like I'm stepping over people's toes and I feel like I like feel bad for saying I experience racism but when you you don't really have that space in between other the mixed people to be like oh my god you feel the exact same level as me yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and I think it's I think it's nice I hope I'm so glad if anyone has um if anyone's stuck with us if anyone's been offended or identified with anything we've said in this podcast dm us chat to us because we're yeah. we're open to explain where we're coming from mm-hmm. and what we're discussing in these episodes mm-hmm. for me i think i think sometimes it's really nice to as you say yasmin especially i think one experience that we have that maybe um not all mixed people would have is because we're all alternative Mm. it's like we're um whereas kind of mixed people are more accepted i feel like by being alternative i'm a double traitor (laughs) yeah 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 i've become a traitor because i've gone too far into what is classed as whiteness um and i feel like that look at me because i've been talking to natalie for five minutes i'm like that negates my autonomy. Oh, um, oh well, <laughs> again, that was sexy. That was sexy. Say it again. Look I don't you even know what that means. Brain. I don't, but I, don't I loved even it. Know what it means? Um, no, I feel like I feel like um, it's you don't have to be a cardboard cutout to be a certain race, and I feel we get dumbed down by media. We get dumbed down. I don't know. Anyway, you can t- you know what I'm saying, right? I feel like. We're I like all, that you used your last two brain cells for that one yeah, statement. Yeah, and then you were like, I'm out, my autonomy. that's it. That's the episode. We're done. And now my brain's sad. Now I'm sad again. Yes. No, I can be intelligent sometimes. 
Sometimes. Don't, don't patronise Nod. <laughs> no, but, but I, I, I can't be that intelligent. Even saying those two words would take all the energy that I've got, like, inside of me, maybe for the last week to even say those two words. So, no, I was like, yeah, I get you. Well done. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I feel like because... I feel like my identity as a rocker is more of has always has historically been more offensive than my white my half whiteness. Mm. Yeah, and then when if you that put makes the two sense. things together, it's like wow, oh, yeah. couldn't pick a struggle. Had to be wow. both. Yeah, went too far. Went too <laughs> far. Yep. Um, okay, so thank you so much. Make sure you do follow Nat- Natalie as well. I know I gave a plug. Make sure you follow her because. It, she's just really good. I feel like whatever colour you are, whatever race you are, there's there is something in what she writes about for you. Yeah. 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 So what should we finish off with? Words of with or have you guys got any more thoughts that you want to express? I feel like Natalie just took the words right out of my mouth and this made them so much more eloquent than I ever could. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she has the wind beneath my wings. Now um I feel like she just she's just summarized how we all felt. And what's interesting for me is like we are all a different type of mixed. Like mm. even though you and Alex are both like somewhat black, like half black or a quarter black, it's still it's still different, right? Um and then even being half Asian, it's totally different, but it's also the same and it's just oh my god, it's so weird. It's weird. Yeah, that's that's why it's weird that you kind of you can't really call people just mixed. And that's why I think that thing of terminology is so important because Mm -hmm. like for me, it was quite empowering starting to call myself um, a black woman who's mixed because at the end of the day, the world sees me as black. So why then the the majority in the UK is white. So if everyone's calling me black, I'm going to start using, I'm going to start using that word and then empower myself by using it. Um, I I really liked well, I didn't like but when she was discussing dating yeah. apps I was yeah. like I feel seen thank yeah. you because having that having a bit of a as they say exotic or oh you look exciting you look this you look Continental. That. Like, oh my god it's not it's not just me it's not just me and I think we an alternative as well throw in tattoos and bright blue hair into the mixed I'm like, oh god, I, I feel so alone. <laughs> I feel so alone with dating. But the stories that she told me about her sister made me feel more seen. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. Yeah, that it's, it's it's bullshit, isn't it? Yeah, it's bullshit dating. Dating when you're like, and when I was talking about fetishization, I don't just get fetishized by. I'm I'm not kidding. I get fetishized by every single race. Yeah. Because I'm I'm close enough to Asian colours, uh, Asian skin colour to be accepted mm. by some by some Asian men, but then fetishized. Um, mm. Black men will be like, yeah, yeah, lighty. No, you're still fetishizing me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, still fetishizing me. And then white guys are like, oh yeah, yeah. Let me introduce you to my friends. Yeah, yeah. So look at my interesting new girlfriend. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. For yeah, fuck's yeah. sake! Raw, that's so lit. Wag <laughs> oh, <laughs> on. For me, um, it's kind of similar in a sense of like, um, so like brown men don't want me because I'm half white. As in Asian, South Asian men think that I'm a traitor to our race mm. and our species and think I'm the worst person in the world. But they also kind of like me because some of them are colorists. So they're like, I don't like the dark Asian girls. I like you. Um, and then... What else? White people think I'm exotic. 
Then there's East Asians and non-South Asians who don't think I'm the right type of Asian because I'm the I'm the coloured Asian, not the not the lighter skinned Asian. Ooh, I'm not the pretty aesthetic Asian, uh, which is weird in itself. Why would you fetishize other Asians? And then other races just see me as like a lighter version of them, so they're like, "Cool, I accept you." And it's really weird. I don't know where I am. Mm. Mm. I think that's the thing about what we were saying about being mixed. You just feel like you don't really know where you sit, and there is no real space. And for me, anyway. Like, the only time that I felt like people get it is, like, this podcast. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't have... <laughs> yep. I don't really have any... I don't have any other mixed friends. It's like you guys. And now I'm like, they just get it. They just get it. They and it's so good. Me. They understand me, finally. But there's also, like... And this is the, the one thing I keep, like, banging on about because it's just so uniquely different to be mixed i think people see it as one singular thing and natalie so right like we all understand it on like a surface level kind of like you would understand uh racism because we all experience it but it's also really different being different types of mixed because Mm -hmm. we experience racism to different degrees to just in different ways different slurs like it's just so fucked up (laughs) and then when you tie that in with um when you tie that in with socioeconomic background Oh god, that's yeah, that's something else as well. Like Woo! that's once those two come together, racism and uh wealth, like there is a whole world of disparity amongst that as well, but yep. Yeah, so should we Woo! end up with some words of wisdom? <laughs> yes. Words of wisdom. Thank words you for sticking with us um through today's episode. Um my words of wisdom are please do not forget the conversation we just had about terminology because all of us are different and all of us will want to be described in a different way and I think we all deserve that openness and understanding from people Mm. my words of wisdom are gonna be something you said Sophie about oh yeah uh, oh look at you you're on the ball today mate you you are what did I say earlier? Autonomy. Was it, is it autonomy? Is that what you're going to say? Go on, say it again. It'd be funny. <laughs> go on. Go on, Sophie. One more time. Nuanced autonomy. Is that uh, what I said? No. I negate auto- is about right. Negate, negate your autonomy. Negate my autonomy. Do you even know what that means? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I said it. <laughs> um, my words of wisdom are going to be, uh, you know, what Natalie was talking about in this conversation isn't just for mixed people. It's for everybody. It's for every race because I think we can all learn something about racism like we all have our own individual experiences of race and racism and everyone can learn from this not even just white people i don't want everyone to think that this is just for the white people who don't understand this is for all races because Mm -hmm. it comes from everyone like we all have our own internal biases that we need to address and deal with because it's like we can't just blame one set race for all of racism because also there's interracial biases which is just a whole other conversation Mm -hmm. but yeah this is this is for everyone not just for mixed people and not just for white people lovely mine would be this is why i'm words are going to start coming out of my mouth now and it's like this is why natalie does what she does and this is just why i need to just be quiet but i'm going to try and do this as eloquently as possible <laughs> so you're not a, like a job where you like speak you know or anything. like a presenter yeah. or anything yeah <laughs> shit god that'd be awful Imagine wouldn't that, it fuck. oh god um so if someone tells you that they are experiencing racism even if you 
can't see it or agree with it, try and acknowledge what they're seeing and understand that maybe you haven't seen it before because maybe you've been brought up a certain way or you've not been around mixed people or black people and you don't understand it so if someone says they're experiencing racism listen to their experiences that was as best as i could do it it's a bit all over the place well i'm here thank you thank you thank you alex made words it's it's a miracle years i've been trying yeah thank you thank you Um, so I thoroughly enjoyed that episode. Don't forget to give us us a follow. It's at We Wear Black Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can also email us now because we're fancy and fancy mm-hmm. real people have emails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can send us an email at We Wear Black Pod at gmail dot com, and Woo! I at I am Sophie K on Twitter and Instagram, and I am Sophie K X on TikTok. I am oh. at Yasmin Suman on Instagram and at Yasmin Suman X on Twitter and TikTok. I'm at Alex Holcomb on Twitter and on Instagram and at Alex Plays Punk on TikTok. Still not posted. Cool. <laughs> we will see you next week. See Bye. you. Bye. 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 Bye.